Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. We are brought to you by MedHab, makers of RPM Squared, an innovative system of gait analysis that slips right into your running shoes. My name is Richard Diaz. I am your host. Are you a runner? Do you love to get out and challenge yourself? Running your first marathon or maybe caught the bug of obstacle racing? Well, sit tight because this is a show you just don't want to miss. Got a great show for you today. I've got Crystal Seaver. She is a master trainer for Linden Fitness, and they are the proud developers of Rec Bag. Lots of cool stuff to talk about, but before we get wrapped up in all of that, I want to do a little bit of promotion. And I don't do this very often, but I'm doing it today because I really, really, really want to see as many of my friends from the East Coast to show up at our run clinic we're doing in October. We're going to be in Killington, Vermont. We're going to be staying at the Cortina Inn. We've got an amazing room right there for those that are going to be traveling. I have a lot of friends out that way. I really would encourage you guys to take a look at this event because I don't know when the next time I'm going to get back out there. And to find out more about that event and the upcoming event we have coming in Dallas, Texas, go to naturalrunningcoach.net. And as a perk for those of you that like to sit on your wallet, I am going to see to it that we're going to give away a rec bag to someone that registers early. That's all I'm going to tell you right now. And there's probably going to be some other cool stuff we're going to do, but don't wait. Register now. It makes it a whole lot easier for me to travel. Let's get this done. So, with no further ado, I want to introduce the world at large to Crystal Seaver. Say hello, Crystal. Good morning, or good afternoon, depending on where you are. <laughs> or, or evening, for that matter. <laughs> right, that's true, too. You know, it's funny, Crystal, since you, since you brought that up. I have a client that I'm working with. I'm going to give her a shout-out because I know she listens to these to these shows. Her name is Sophia. Sophia lives in Zimbabwe, Africa. <laughs> and her occupation is she actually, her and her husband run safaris. <laughs> and she's also an ultra marathoner. Um, so when we start talking about times of day in different parts of the locales, believe me when I tell you, there's people that could be listening to this yesterday or tomorrow <laughs> at this very moment. Oh. It's amazing how everybody can be connected around the world because of technology. Today. Oh, it's crazy. You know, 10 years ago, this wouldn't even been a thought. Here it is now. I have clients that live all over the world. It's really funny. It really is funny. But I enjoy it. It's great stuff. I want to talk about Rec Bag. The whole concept of this this show today is to discuss this training tool, which incidentally, if you go to lindenfitness.com, you'll learn that the uh, rec bags were voted overall best training tool in 2015 by Mud Run Guide, which is kind of cool, huh? Absolutely. 
So, Crystal, how did you get – well, first of all, let's talk a little bit about you. You're, you're an ultra-marathoner, and you, as you suggested to me earlier, you love to get up in altitude. You love to get up in the mountains. Give the audience a little background so they know who I'm talking to. Sure. So, quickly, um, I started off in OCR World about five, six years ago, and – and started running. Um, I was never a runner. I was a competitive gymnast growing up, and I ran recreationally uh, with boot camp classes, with gym classes, and I didn't love it. I then started trail running, and that's kind of where I fell in love with running and skipped over the traditional 5K, half marathon, marathon, and decided, hey, I'm going to sign up for an ultra in Vermont in the middle of summer. So my first ultra experience was a 38-mile race. It was about 98 degrees and humid, and it took a really long time. It was a really long day, but I crossed the finish line with no huge excitement or crowds. It was medals thrown on a table and checking that you're back, and I kind of fell in love with the sport. So today I, I run ultras throughout the year. I just signed up again for Georgia Death Race, which is one of my favorite races. There's 40,000 feet of elevation change, and that's kind of what I thrive on. I always kind of call myself a climber versus a runner, and that's because I really like the mountain elevation and the technicality of those courses. Uh, but from an OCR perspective, it's how I was involved with Rec Bag to begin with. So I ran the local course in Rhode Island, which is where Rec Bag is located, and we use the Rec Bag as a heavy carry tool, just like everybody in the OCR world generally knows it for. So yes, you picked up your 50-pound bag, you hiked up what was the biggest mountain, much like a hill in Rhode Island, and um, I saw where this could really impact my training and be a useful tool. So from there, I kind of adopted it into my own training regime and then took on a greater role. Cool. Very cool. That's nice, clean. So talk to me about the Georgia Death Race. Now, that's not a Decena thing, right? That's that's outside? That is not. Okay. Wow. And that's completely unrelated. Uh, that is a ultramarathon run by... Um, Sean, who runs Run Bum Tours, and he has created several races throughout the United States now. Georgia Death Race has become sort of iconic and very um, high demand. Amelia Boone has run that race, and so he he was doing the non-traditional and letting people in that haven't necessarily qualified through the ultra running world, but qualified because they participated in things such as an ultra beast. He was allowing that to be considered an option for qualification. Um, this year, race sold out in 45 minutes. Wow. So it's become, it's known to be very challenging. It's point to point. It's like I said, 40,000 feet of elevation change. So, you know, it's gaining some momentum in the ultra world, which is a little bit unheard of for your kind of your East Coast, or southern races because they don't have the mountain elevation that maybe you would out west. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Now, you know, talking about ultras, if you listen to the show we did last week with uh, Charlie Engel and mm -hmm. um, Pete Kostelnik, he's going to run across the United States and try to do it in 44 days. 
Yes. Which is like he's going to have to run between an 8.30 and 9-minute pace for 44 days, 72 miles a day, which is absolutely nuts. But uh, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get you guys. That's To me, it's like <laughs> way, way too far, way, way too long. I don't know. It's a lot of grit and a little bit of stupidity. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's stupid. I mean, it's just a different <laughs> mindset. You know, I mean, it's stupid for me to do it. That would be stupid. Correct. Because I'm just not going to go well at all, but um, for whatever it's <laughs> It's funny. I talked to my wife about this the other day. I said, you know, I, I'm going to sign up for this uh, World's Toughest Mudder. She goes, no, you're not. <laughs> she goes, no, you're not. I said, what are you suggesting? I can't do it? She goes, you know, I just have to live with you while you're training for it, and I know what that's going to be like, and I don't want any part of that. So <laughs> I guess I get a little bitchy when I'm really tired and sore and day after day after day. And she's been through it with me before, and she's not having any part of it again. Yeah, it's it's hard when you have a very strict training schedule that's very demanding on your life, and other people are not necessarily doing the same thing as you. It's a little bit challenging to yeah. balance that out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it really is. So uh, I want to talk about the rec bag. And yeah. uh, I, want to, I want to preface it by saying that I reached out to rec bag, to, to Linden Fitness, because I was interested in doing some overload training and I needed something that was a little bit more reasonable to deal with when I do some challenging work with my athletes. And I'm not going to lie to you, I checked out a couple different bags and I was hoping somebody was going to toss a bag at me, hopefully because they may have heard of me before or something like that and, and be interested in doing it. In all my research, I found the rec bag with some other folks that I know that use them. Uh, Miguel Medina, one of my guys that uh, I call him one of my posse or my hunting dog, I call him. <laughs> you know, he, he's got a lot of experience with the rec bag, and he's been doing these these events with uh, Machete Madness. Betty? Um, yeah, with uh, Victor and those guys. They, they're yep. very big into using the bags. And I was reaching out and asking these guys. I said, so... How about these bags, man? I mean, what's the deal with the bags? And and they were like, oh yeah, they're great. You know, you got to get one. It's better than sand and whatever. And and clearly to me, the advantage of not having to deal with sand was big. The uh, the idea of using overload in training is absolutely a necessity in obstacle course racing, as you're familiar. There's going to be carries and heavy carrying is something that a lot of the athletes struggle with. You could be fleet of foot. You could be a really quick runner. You could have a ton of endurance. But then again, there comes the day where they you know, they throw you something heavy to play with and they want you to march up a mountain with it or run wherever with this extra load. And rather than having to contend with it when the race appears, you need to prepare yourself with it. And there's nothing better than what I like to call challenge specificity, where you actually are going to enact something that is going to be relative to the racing you're going to do. So the short story is I reached out to Rec Bag, and I got myself some of these bags, and I'm going to share with you that I used the bags this morning with my training. And I'm not going to tell you what I did yet. I'm going to save that for a little later on. But we did some really, really cool stuff with the bags this morning, and we also made a point to document some of the things we were doing to see 
what the cause and effect relationship was with the training modalities we were using. And I think you're going to find this pretty interesting. And now you're probably dying to know what I was doing, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about, first of all, um, the bag themselves. Now, for those of you that have never seen a rec bag, I'm going to say it again. Go to lindenfitness.com, and, or you could probably just Google rec bag, W-R-E-C-K bag, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But the cool thing about these bags is they do not have sand in them, which means they're not going to leak. If they get wet, they're not going to not going to hold a bunch of water, and, and it's going to change the complexion of things, uh, at least not permanently, I should say. And you can pretty much beat the hell out of them, and they're going to hold up. Can you speak to what these things are constructed with at all, Crystal? I can. So the fill is actually a recycled material. It's a rubber blend, and that um, blend went through a lot of testing. And one of the great things is is that it can get wet and it doesn't um, hold the water. The other thing is, is that it can get wet and the bag will not mildew. So you don't have to worry about that case if you want to use them outside at all times. The other thing is, is that they're, they're two-layered bags, so they're really durable. They're made for indoor and outdoor use, but that outside material is also soft enough that you can use it inside and because it does not have you know your traditional hard plastic handle you can drop it on your floor you can drag it on the floor you can pull it you can push it and not worry about those in the way cool very cool now are there is there any particular warranty tied to these things that we should know about um no outstanding existing warranty um like I said, they are very durable. The one thing is is that we don't always suggest, you know, pulling and pushing it because it was constructed to be a heavy carry item. This year we are in talks about a sort of a drag bag, a drag that's specifically made for dragging it and pushing it along um, abrasive surfaces. Yeah. Okay. Now, I know that if people visit the site, they also are going to find that there is a couple of PDF training cards, right? So you can kind of see yeah. various things to do with them. And talk to me a little bit about the exercise and your experience with it. What what are you learning from having played with these things? Sure. So RecBay is a very functional tool. It, it allows you to basically utilize it much like you would with your traditional barbell or workout the thing is is that it is constantly in motion because the fill is moving and traditionally you would see it as a heavy carry item and what we were finding was that people were forgetting that there was also a functional base to it as well so you can utilize it for squats you can utilize it for lunges and you can just vary the position of the bag to create challenge and move load to a front load or a back load overhead you can also utilize the product in a way that it would be on the floor and do some offset push-ups or a push-up and a pull so it was more that while people probably know these exercises there are so many exercises and functional movements out there that maybe you don't remember them at the time or you're like I just I just need a brainstorm. So when you go to the website, you can kind of see the basics or the foundation, not necessarily your innovative uses for it, because we know that it's being used in a lot of innovative ways specific to different types of training. 
but your foundation where you can go with this product outside of using it as a heavy carry item. Okay. Now talk to me about a heavy carry concept. What have you been doing with the bag that you found to be really uh, helpful? So when we talk about the OCR, well, like you mentioned earlier, we we know that at some point you're going to end up carrying a heavy object, whether that be a sandbag or a bucket or some other heavy item. What we also know is that when you don't train with weight, that weight becomes very heavy very quickly and can tax your energy. So what we see a lot is a lot of hill repeat work and quarter miles sprinting or running or just carrying, depending on your fitness level. And generally that means you're going to structure this bag so it's across your back and and hold it tight to you. We've had people that, you know, run their 5K with a rec bag for added challenge. We do know that if you finish a course, maybe you finish Battle Frog, which is a, a race which has rec bag. If this is your first exposure to rec bag, that was a challenging carry. So when you come out, now you want to practice for this, just like you would practice climbing, going over a wall, or practice your stop and go between obstacles. So we generally see in the public and in the gyms that use them, you're going to put that bag across your back and you're going to go said distance and really learn to utilize your body to carry that weight. Okay. Let me uh, let me share with you what I've been doing with, with weight. Sure. Now, as you probably know, I, I coach OCR athletes, and many of them are very competitive. Uh, some of them are at the top of the heap in pro world of OCR, uh, Hunter McIntyre for one. What I find is that aside from just being able to carry load, you need to be able to move quickly. Mm-hmm. And there lies the conundrum for most people is that while they're carrying they're not necessarily doing anything that's going to improve their speed. They're definitely going to improve their stamina, but it's definitely a, a detriment to improving your speed. And so I have a workout that I refer to as the farmer's daughter. And I call it that only because I didn't want to call it a farmer carry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it used to be all the jokes about the farmer's daughter, and I, I don't know what. I just I'm a little goofy, so I thought I'm going to call it the farmer's daughter. And so this is the way it works. And I have a lot of clients that are probably listening to this right now that are actually doing these workouts. And I, you know, short of just the uh, text that they read associated with the workout, or maybe a little bit of conversation with me over the phone, I've never really gone in great detail. Um, explaining what it is. I did do one workout with Hunter where it was shown in video, but um, so far I really haven't gone into great detail. But l- let me just kind of lay it out right now. First of all, you have to understand the concept of what you're trying to accomplish. And what I really think is more important than just contractile function, okay? So contractile function, just to be clear, is developing muscle. And hopefully increasing your ability to carry load, which you would assume being muscular function. But beyond muscular function, there's neural activation. Your central nervous system is going to decide how many muscle fibers are going to be brought to play relative to the load you pick up. So you pick up something that weighs 20 pounds, there's a 
contraction on demand. Your body will say, okay, we got 20 pounds. These are the muscle fibers that are needed in order to pick this up. And de depending on the region of area that you're going to hold the weight has to do with what parts of the body are going to be firing. But the neural activation is a really cool aspect of training if you really think about it. What you want to do is you want to trick your body to create more horsepower even when it's not necessary. And so it's like having a V12 engine when the work is only really requiring a, a V6. And so, for example, running up a hill. To run up a hill, and a lot of people, will they're thinking endurance, so they go really, really, really long onto the hill, and what happens is fatigue starts to take over and things start to shut down, and then it becomes a suffer fest. You're not really moving faster anymore. You're not really encouraging your ability to go fast through the effort anymore. And so what I do is this. We're going to trick the body, and we're going to do it in a very powerful setting. So you have to limit the distance. You don't want to go any further than about a minute worth of duration. So in other words, if you're going to go up a hill, and I like a hill that's no greater than about 30% grade. Actually, the sweet spot's probably about 25% grade. And the reason is, is that the, the steeper the grade, the more you're going to alter the way you move up that hill. You're going to put yourself in a bad posture in order to get up that hill. I want you to be able to access your hips, and I want you to be able to power up that hill. And if the duration is too long, then fatigue starts to win the day, and you're no longer really engaging high recruitment of muscle fibers. Your body just starts shutting down, basically. So we go 45 seconds to a minute up about a 30%, 25, 30% grade, carrying the load. And sometimes I'll charge the body first. And we'll charge the body by poss possibly doing burpees with the bag. So try to imagine you got this rack bag. You're holding the handles. You're essentially doing a, a deadlift to the ground, kick out, do a push-up off the bag, stand up with the bag, which is the deadlift component, and repeat. Say do like 20 repetitions. Hurl the bag up onto your shoulders, hammer up the hill, drop the bag off at the top of the hill, jog down lightly. As soon as you get to the bottom of the hill, you sprint back up the hill without the load. Carry the bag back down and repeat. That would be one repetition, incidentally. Up the hill with the load, down the hill without the load, up the hill fast without the load, back down to the bottom of the hill, and then recover until your heart rate comes down to about 120 beats per minute. I like to govern these workouts with heart rate. Heart rate's a much better indicator that you're prepared to do the work again opposed to using something static like time. And then I may schedule an hour of these workouts. So I don't know how many repetitions you're going to get. It's going to be relative to how fast you move and relative to how much recovery you get. But at the end of the day, you're going to put together about an hour worth of effort. And I promise you, this is an aggressive workout. The advantage of taking the rest in between the sets is that each time you perform the interval, you're going to perform it with a lot more recruitment, a lot more muscularity, and a lot more force production as opposed to just steady state trying to climb up a long hill, you're, 
your form's going to suffer, your recruitment patterns are going to fall off, and you're going to probably be loading parts of your body that you really don't want to load. You want to preferentially load those hips. You want to get your body so that it's firing as perfectly and preferentially as possible. And I've been doing this with people, and tremendous results coming of it. They're telling me that when they get out and do the races, the carries that they typically would do in the events are coming to them way, way quicker than they'd ever done before. And testament of that is Hunter just won uh, Asheville this past weekend, and where he made up time was on the climbs, the carries, and even the downhills is really where he made up his time on that race. But what do you think of that, Crystal? I think that's excellent use of the product. Um, actually, your workout sounds very similar to one of the workouts that I performed in my own training for ultra running, and I, I kind of led to this earlier. I always call myself much more a climber than a runner, and that's because I am generally making up my time on those uphill climbs, whereas lots of times I will be passed on maybe the straightaway or the runnable parts, but overall, you know, that using that weight in that manner is what I see as being most efficient. It is that one-hour time block. It's really making your muscles work for performance purposes and not creating that fatigue where we're creating a workout that really is not beneficial to our bodies. Right. So if you if you just, like, do a Sufferfest workout, and I know a lot of people mm-hmm. do that, where they mm-hmm. might try to struggle for three hours, for example, climbing through the mountains, carrying load. I just don't know that that's going to be a performance-based workout. That's going to be more of a sufferfest kind of a workout. If you're trying to mm-hmm. teach your body to endure stress, uh, resistance to fatigue, you're probably doing the right thing. But if you want to win a race, if you want to beat people up the mountain, want to beat people down the mountain, you really got to be a little bit more precise in your application. And you want to get some massive overload. And anybody will tell you that intervals will provide you the opportunity to get more intensity in the work over the same time frame than steady state work. And just suffering up a mountain is going to end up being a steady state workout. And you're mm-hmm. going to find that you're just going to, you're going to be loading a lot of parts of the body you really don't want to load. And so the idea of, well, i got to go... Uh, 20 miles, for example, up and down a mountain. Let's just say that that's going to be the event. Well, you're not going to really be in a place where all of that's going to be climbing or all of that's going to be downhill. If you really wanted to, you could spend an hour doing very, very precise work with the overload and then go for a trail run and then get good application from it. Or do the trail run first and then do the power work uh, post-trail run. You could do it that way, but you, you want to be really precise with the way you're loading your body, and you're going to find you're going to, you're going to, it's going to pay big dividends. Let me tell you about the workout we did this morning. Okay. For the past seven years or so, every Tuesday morning for me is track workout morning. And typically I have a group of people that will meet with me at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we'll visit a track. And commonly what we've been doing there is focusing on making sure that the way we run is appropriate as we try to achieve speed. It's not about just running around the track, you know, to cover a particular distance or trying to cover a particular timeline. It's always skill-based, really, really focusing on the details of how to run with good form. 
But lately I've been getting more OCR folks that are wanting to meet me in the mornings, and so we've been changing it up a little bit. And so this morning I surprised him, and I brought a trunk load of the, the rec bags with me. And, you know, they usually want to meet me at the track, and I'm like blowing my horn, no, 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 come see me, so that they had to come to my truck and, and grab the bags out of the back of my truck. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't going to carry them for them. And so they, uh, you know, they're, okay, we're going to have these bags today. And so here's what we did. We did a half-mile warm-up. And the warm-up was, as always, I, I dedicated to good uh, running mechanics. I was focused on making sure that they were staying on cadence, that they weren't overstriding, weren't heel striking, and all the things that I do. But then as soon as that was done, uh, we gave them some instructions. Now, the stadium that we use has a handicap ramp as most stadiums do. But this one's actually a concrete ramp that traverses the side of a hill to the top of the stadium. I don't know how long it is, but I want to say that it's probably about a 30-second 30, 30 to 45-second effort, depending on how fast you are. So to get to the ramp from the front of the stadium is about uh, about 150 yards, I would say. So I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to grab our bags, and I'm going to time you. You're going to run to the beginning of the ramp. You're going to run up the ramp with the bag. You're going to carefully come down the staircase of the, of the stadium stairs and set the bag down. And then you're going to run up the, the hill without the bag and then come back down. I'm going to time it. So the idea was to look at the, the amount of time it took to cover with the bag and time it took to cover without the bag. And clearly the second time around was a little quicker than the first, but not by much, surprisingly, not by much. But the second time they did it, both times were quicker. They were actually, even though they were a little bit more tired, they were able to get up the ramp faster with the bag and faster than the previous time without the bag. So this gets back to what I was talking about, this neural education. You're actually improving your neural conductivity. You're causing your body to recruit more musculature and trying to lessen the amount of workload that the body's taking on. So this is the trick that I was talking about. By unloading and unloading during the work has huge implications on the outcome of the work. Mm -hmm. So then I said, okay, we're going to add an element to this. Now I want you to run... 400 hard around the track, pick up your bag, and do the same loop. And we did two of those, same, same application. And we we're actually, even with the 400-meter run prior to, we were able to still produce pretty decent times, actually better than the first times. Mm -hmm. And then now that everybody's warmed up and feeling good about themselves, I had them do... Now, by the way, I measured the steps with a string. I didn't have a ruler with me, but I was really curious to know. I want to be precise about how tall these steps were. Just to give people, you and the people listening today, an indication of the depth of the squat. And I, I'm holding in my, my hands this little ribbon that I guess a balloon was tied to that I found wrapped around a post, and I used it to try to measure the distance of or the height of the step. And it turned out that the the step was actually about... Uh, I want to say it's like 10 inches tall. So I had them put the rec bags up on their on their shoulders, 
drop into the step and do 20 squats on the on the stadium stair, turn around and run up the stadium stairs. And incidentally, these stadium stairs are progressively taller as you get to the top. And then run up to the top with the bag, come back down with the bag, drop the bag off, do 20 more squats without the bag, and then run back up the staircase and come back down. And then time both sets. And, you know, again, clearly it takes a little longer to do it with the bag, but the second time around, the time's improved. The second time around was actually faster than the first time around, which might be a little hard to believe for a lot of people considering, you know, the depth of the work. You're pretty fatigued, but recruitment patterns improved, and they were actually able to get up the stairs faster the second time around. So that was what we did this morning. You like it? I love it. <laughs> but but still, I don't know whether you've taken the time to look at these types of things, but I'm trying to look at just not you know look on somebody's face to try to measure the type of work we did or whether it was effective. But I'm actually timing the outcome to see what would be the the cause of the improvements in the work. I want to see improvements. I don't want to just see people beat down and say, well, that was a great workout. I want to see that they're actually improving the way they're producing the work. And I was able to do that this morning, and it was really pleasing to see. Yes, and and what I also like about it is it's really a workout for anyone at whatever level you're at. But you're going to see the same trend no matter what level you're at. What I didn't tell you is that one of my clients that was with me, actually mm-hmm. two of my, well, let me let me be more, more precise. I had um, two young OCR athletes and one seasoned OCR athlete and a couple other people that haven't done OCR yet, but they're they're marathoners. One of the la- one of the ladies that was with me is seventy one years old. One of them, an OCR athlete who is actually going to do her first trifecta next month, finish her trifecta the, the next month. She's got a beast to do. She is sixty five, I think, or sixty six. And one of the ladies was like 55, and the other girls were just basically young studs. But they were all doing the workout. They were all doing the workout. So from hell to high water, we were able to to produce this work. Now, mind you, I was a little bit more cautious with uh, Sarah, the older lady, because Mm -hmm. I was more concerned about her coming down the stairs. I didn't, you know, I didn't Mm -hmm. want to do a face plant coming down the stairs with this bag on her neck because – She's already having, and by the way, I didn't mention that the bags are the 40-pound bags. They weren't, okay. they, they weren't light bags. And uh, for those that are wondering, when they look at bags for purchase, my particular preference is 40 pounds. I think that when you get a little heavier than that for the type of drills that I'm doing with the bags, it's just a little much. Now, if you're a bigger guy, yeah, maybe, but I don't think you're going to be cutting yourself short by having a lighter bag, it's just going to mean that your performance is going to be greater. You're going to be able to push harder and and run faster, which is how you mitigate the work, whether it be lighter or heavier bags. Absolutely. So that's my take. And that when I recommend product or rec bag recommends products, we, we get a lot of questions about uh, are you ever going to make a bag that is heavier and like you just mentioned it really doesn't need to be any heavier than your 40 
to 50, and 50 is a heavy bag. And because what it's doing is it's hindering your performance at that point in time. So if you want it to be functional and dynamic, you really want a bag that you could actually work with versus have a bag that's kind of working against you. Yeah, I mean, and by the way, if if, if you were to weigh a bucket of gravel, which is typically used in the bucket carries, obviously, yeah. um, I would guess they're probably heavier. I would guess that they're probably heavier than about 40 pounds. But I don't think it makes that much difference. I really don't. I think it's a function of application. It's just, if you run harder with 40 pounds, it's like lifting heavier weight. Correct. You get me? So I don't think it's, I don't think it's kind of a sweet spot. And quite frankly, uh, with women, many women, being lighter wouldn't be a problem either. You know, I, I don't, I don't think you're going to, you're going to be like a wuss because you use a lighter back. Because you're just going to perform a li- at a little higher level when you're when you're doing what you're doing. So anyway, Absolutely. yeah. So for whatever it's worth, um, I found that when I was thinking in terms of which size bags that I want to play with, and again, keep in mind that I'm working with guys like Hunter McIntyre who is strong as a mule. Forty pounds is is an appropriate amount of weight. It really is. So I'm a fan. And from my perspective, I. I generally use a lighter bag. I use the 25-pound or 35-pound bag, not because I can't lift more. I just found that's much more efficient in the mechanics of my personal workout to use that bag. Cool. There's also some other applications. You guys have a like a, a like a mini bag. I don't know what you call it. There's a smaller bag, right? Yeah, so, yeah, so those are, you're right, the minis, the rec bag minis, and they are... Square with one handle versus those long rectangles that everybody is used to, which is the full-size bag, and they come anywhere from 5 pounds to 15 pounds. Huh. Created one, there was a request that mom and dad are working out at home with this product, and their minis want to be able to actually work out with them. So that's where the 5-pound creation came in. And then the use is a little bit different. Right. So you're doing a lot of swinging with it, like kind of, almost like a kettlebell? You could utilize it as a kettlebell. You have less control than a kettlebell. And um, lots of times you'll see people u- really utilize this in like core-specific training or with um, an elderly crowd or a beginning fitness crowd so they can start to get used to a load or some sort of weight. You know, 60 is the new 40, right? Right. <laughs> I had somebody tell me that the other day. I almost slapped them, you know. I used to say that no, uh, about 50 being the, the is the new 30, but 60 is still 60. 60 is just 60. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, a really healthy 60-year-old. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I'd like to think I'm one of them, but... Uh, you are. <laughs> so I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't need a mini. I can still hang with a bigger bag. You can. And these, um, you see them with, like, crowds that are in nursing homes. We have some trainers that work with the crowds that are in nursing homes, and they're doing it in a motion where they're just sitting in their, maybe their wheelchairs or their chairs, and they're getting some sort of activity. Cool. Are you coming to Killington? I am planning on it, yes. Okay, we're looking forward to it. So 
we plan to, if everything goes as we hope, and if uh, Rec Bag holds up their end, we're going to have some bags out there. And yes. we're going to, aside from all the other cool stuff we're going to do, which is doing the gate work and, and uh, all the testing we're going to do, all the performance-oriented work we're going to do on the mountain, we're going to do some, I'm, heck, I'm out there, might as well do some fun stuff, right? Lately, I've been doing a little bit more of that type of work because people love it. And rather than yeah. just listen to me harp at them and try to help them to become better athletes, I actually beat on them a little bit, and they, they seem to really enjoy that. So <laughs> that seems to be on the agenda. We're going to uh, – by the way, this place, I don't know if you've ever been out there. You know where the Cortina Inn is? Have you been there before? I, I do know where it is. I'm very familiar with Vermont Carrington area. It's a cool little hotel. And they, they set up a really bitchin' rate for us. And uh, our focus is we're going to get in there on a Friday night, and we're going to have a little Q&A session and just kind of chat casually, maybe with a couple cocktails and people loosen up. And in the morning, I'm going to put them through the paces and do the VO2 testing, do the resting work that we're going to do. And then come Sunday, we're going to get out on the, the track or wherever they, they deem fit for us to do the uh, video analysis and the running work that we're going to do. And then we're going to make our way to some interesting locales on the mountain. The uh, the uh, general manager of the hotel also is an OCR athlete, it turns out, and he's very excited about this. So he said, yeah, I'm going to let you use my shuttle. We'll take you wherever you want to go. And he was, like, all pumped up about it. So it's it's going to be a fun trip. Very excited about it. Very exciting. Killington Mountains are really fun mountains. You need to make sure you tell all your friends about this because you're out there. You know better. I'll let them know. Yeah. <laughs> Did we miss something about these bags and about the product that I that I didn't talk about? Um, the one thing that I would like to mention is that Rec Bag is taking a position in the kids' fitness world, mainly to kind of break the norm of maybe traditional physical education classes and really get kids involved with functional movement. We have some... PE teachers doing some great things with an obstacle base in their training and they're getting a great response from that crowd instead of maybe your dodgeball or kickballer learning the rules of some sport that the kids are a little bit resistant to because they don't see the real-life practical use for that. But when you give kids a rec bag and you do some of these programming that's very obstacle-based, there's a great response, just like we have a great response from the obstacle world that this is maybe not the traditional and this is a lot of fun. We're seeing that there. So that is where focus of Rec Bag is kind of headed for 2017. How about that? Well, i got to tell you, I, I work with kids, and I think they're underserved. There's no question about it. And, and I don't mean that uh, condescendingly. I mean that because they have as many as 50, 60. I, I've seen schools that have 250 people or 250 students in a cross-country program. And it right. gets really difficult to give much attention individually to the kids. And when you do it day in, day out, year after year after year, you kind of get numb. And mm -hmm. I just think that at the end of the day, a lot of the kids that could use attention are underserved. So I really like it when fitness companies you know, take a step in that direction and try to do some things or try to help out and, and create some better applications for the students in, in, out there because, you know, physical fitness is way more important than people give it credit for in, in the scholastic setting. 
You know, uh, a kid that's healthy is a kid that's smarter. You know, they're going to end up a little bit more alert, a little bit, a little bit more capable of learning and studying. So, I think it's good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and and we're seeing good response and you know positive response from you know schools and programs that maybe you just weren't seeing that active engagement because of of the watered down approach to fitness and it was just another a gap of filling the block and then you see on another level how it's adopted for a specific sport so we have your basketball teams or your track and field teams or whatever the case may be but they adopt it a little bit differently and tailor it to their program which is always great to see as well that's great all right so for those of you guys that are listening to this soon there will be a banner associated with this episode and for more detail be sure to click on the banner it'll take you right to the site and you can learn whatever you want to learn and maybe possibly purchase one of these bags if you'd like and don't forget to register for killington if you're on the east coast it's probably close to you it's really ironic on the west coast nothing's close you guys have 55 states or within two hours drive time, it seems. <laughs> We're here, you know, like you're either in California or you're, you know, you gotta, you're in Washington, which is like a, a pilgrimage to get anywhere. So I'm excited about that application. I've got clients in New Jersey. I've got clients in Virginia. I've got clients uh, all over the place um, and on the East Coast. So this will be my first time out there doing work, and I'm very, very excited about it. And then, again, of course, we're going to be in Dallas in November, which is we're very excited about that because we've got a lot of clients there we worked with as well. And we were in Austin, Texas last year, worked a lot with um, the Yancey campers, and i got a lot of clients out there. So we are really, really excited about the, the clinics coming up. And as I suggested, we plan to be giving some bags away, so uh, don't, don't, don't sit on your hand. It's not going to work for you. Look, Crystal, thank you so much for taking the time to do this with me today. And uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you, finally. We're going to meet you in Killington. Yes, and thank you so much for including us and having us. And I can't wait for Killington. Vermont is absolutely my favorite trading destination. All right, then. Enjoy Vegas, by the way. I know you don't love Vegas, but... You know, try to be me for just about an hour or two. Go down on the floor. Yeah, I'm I'm really soaking up the experience. Yeah. Although I have resorted to the hotel gym because running the strip is just it's just overwhelming and the pollution is so bad. I've never valued fresh air more in my life. <laughs> you know, the thing about Vegas is you can be inside and not have any idea what time of day it is. And, we were just talking about that. <laughs> you know, and if you get uh, if you get outside, there's no good time to go running outside. Um, oh no! I mean, at four in the morning, it's like three in the morning or six in the afternoon. It's it's no different. Just as many people yeah. out, uh, a little drunker than they were during the day. <laughs> um, uh, by the way, if you happen to get over to the MGM Grand, the executive yeah. executive chef there is a very dear friend of mine, and, and he's one of my clients, Jesse Marino. Say hello to Jesse. Yeah. And Absolutely. I actually was talking to him, and I am going to try to actually head out on the trails with him in a day or two. Oh, you know Jesse? I do. He. I am actually part of the OCR Grinders team, Everyone's West Coast. I'm the only one that's on the East Coast. <laughs> I'll be darned. Small world, huh? Small world. 
Well, listen, you you say hello to Jesse for me, and you have a, a wonderful time when you're out there. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You bet. Take care. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.